Hey, I'm Bex, and this is Fun Kids Meets, the podcast where we meet your heroes. I recently caught up with Peter Bunzel, who came to the Fun Kids studio to talk all about his amazing new book, Glassborn. So I am joined by the author, Peter Bunzel. Hello, welcome back to Fun Kids. Hi, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been so long, and I think you've been a very busy man in the meantime. You've written lots and lots of books in the last few years, right? Yeah, this is my ninth book that we're talking about today, yeah. Ninth book? So, a lot of books. So I was wondering, do you get the process a bit boring, or do, is it all still as exciting as it ever was? Yeah, it's still really exciting. It's still quite hectic, and, you know, you still get really into the story and the characters, and you get to write about new people and take them on new adventures. So it, it's always exciting to start something new, yeah. Yeah, and so tell us about your new book, Glassborn. We find uh, the characters, the family, they've just lost their mum recently. So where do we meet them in their story? Um, yeah, so it's about four siblings, two brothers and two sisters, and they live in Georgian England, 1826, so a long time ago. And when we meet them, they're in a carriage in the woods, travelling through the woods with their dad, and they're going to their new home, which is called Fairy Keep Cottage, which is the house where their mum, who's passed away, grew up. And now her sister... Aunt Eliza lives there and they're going to live with Aunt Eliza. Am I right in thinking there's a Bronte connection with the characters? Yeah, there's a Bronte connection. Brilliant. So yeah, I read Jane Eyre about 10 years ago and I really loved the book. And I was reading then about the history of the Brontes. And uh, there's quite a lot of uh, stories about them growing up and when they were kids. And they used to write stories about their own imaginary worlds, which were called uh, Glass Town and Angrier and Gondol. And the four of them had this kind of big imagination, all of these sort of crazy stories that they were writing together in little books. And I thought that was just a fantastic group of kids to write about the Brontes when they were young. So I started to write a story about them and I realized I would have to change it a little bit because I couldn't use their real life story. I wanted to make stuff up. So the kids in my book, they're sort of inspired by the Brontes and the Brontes childhood growing up but they're um, slightly different. And then hence why you've, you've said it in 1826 right I guess. Yeah that was when they were kids growing up and the house Fairy Keep Cottage in the story is really based on their real house which is in Haworth which is the Bronte Museum now but it used to be um, Haworth Parsonage where their dad was uh, the vicar of the town basically I and that see. was the parsonage there. But it's an amazing museum and it has lots of objects that belong to the Brontes and to their parents and to Aunt Elizabeth who was looking after them. So yeah lots of the objects in the house inspired objects in the story basically that's really cool so what kind of objects can we look out for in the book that you think maybe listeners won't uh, won't clock until they've had this um heard this? so the brontes they had these toy soldiers wooden toy soldiers that they would make stories up about and they each had their favorite toy soldier and that they would write stories about that soldier and so in my book all each of the four children have a toy soldier that their parents have given them and in my book the toy soldiers are magic so they help them do spells and these things in the story yeah and then the other thing that was a really big feature in the book was on the stairs at the Bronte house is a big grandfather clock and it has a painting above the clock face of this girl in a red cloak a bit like Red Riding Hood mm -hmm. and it was weird because in my first book the prequel to this Glassborn which is called Magicborn the girl Tempest wears this red cloak and so I thought oh this has to be in the story and then when I was a kid, um, my dad had a grandfather clock actually on the landing of our house. Oh, right. okay. And when he used to play hide and seek, when I was very small, he used to be able to open the door of the grandfather clock and hide inside it. <laughs> and so when I was thinking about the book, I thought, yeah, one of the characters is going to do this, act and the boy hides inside the grandfather clock. And that opens a doorway to fairyland, a bit like in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, when they hide in the wardrobe. So it was kind of inspired by all of these different things. Well, this was going to be where I went to next, actually. So Fairyland, how do you map out a place in your head? Do you kind of like draw it on a wall somewhere? Do you kind of like plan it out? Do you write notes and stuff like that? How does it work? 
first of all, when I was trying to come up with the geography of fairyland, I drew a map and I drew quite a big map with lots of land and oceans. And then I realized this is quite too big for the story I told. So then I drew a slightly smaller map with less stuff on going on, but sort of so I could plan the route of where the children were going to go in the story. Mm -hmm. And that did inform the geography of the story and the, the journey that they take, basically. So I'm going to be honest with you. I've never read Narnia. And this is a terrible thing to admit, but I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you between you and I. So tell me where the influence kind of matches in the book from the Narnia to your book. You've seen the movie, I've right? Seen, I've seen the movie, okay. but the look of shock on your face, Peter, was, was genuinely don't, terrifying. But yeah, no, I've seen the film. I just haven't read the book. Okay. And I, I did I did gather that, yes, there were some parallels between... Yeah, so the the main parallel is what, what I said. Like, in my story, there's this big grandfather clock in the children's bedroom of the house. And Acton, who's the youngest brother, climbs through the grandfather clock and gets kidnapped by these evil fairies and taken to fairyland. And in the Narnia story, um, Lucy, who's the youngest child in the story, sort of climbs through the wardrobe first and gets taken to Narnia. And so I wanted to sort of reference that. Also, at the start of Emily Bronte's book, which is called Wuthering Heights, one of the characters wakes up because there's a ghost tapping on the window. So I wanted to reference that as well. So when Acton wakes at midnight, and um, he hears this tapping on the window and that wakes him up and then he goes to open the clock and that's when all of these terrible things happen and he gets sucked into fairyland. It's like a book of Easter eggs for people who yeah. are much better read than I am. <laughs> I love it. So tell us about the characters we meet in fairyland as well, because there's also a, a big bad villain. Yeah, the villain is the fairy queen and she was also inspired by Narnia. So she's inspired by the witch in The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. And she basically turns all of the people that she doesn't like to sort of ice sculptures. And so she's kind of evil. And um, she wants to send Acton on this quest to get the Glimmer Glass Crown, which is a magic crown. She wants to send him to steal this crown from the King of the Deadlands so that she can rule all of the different kingdoms, magical kingdoms. What's it like writing a villain? Like, you've got some lovely characters in there, but a villain must be quite exciting to write. Yeah, I like villains. I think they're always fun. Like, uh, my favourite kind of villains are like a Roald Dahl type villains who are a bit evil, but also kind of a bit quirky and funny and have some personality. So I like that in a villain. And I think it's important to get lots of different sort of quirky personality into your villain. Also, like you do have some exciting characters that they meet in Fairyland, right? Yeah. So there's lots of different types of fairies. So they meet a troll, a big sort of troll made from rocks who is a bit inspired by the never ending story kind of trolls and um, also they have to play a game of riddles with him which is a bit of an sort of like the hobbit and they have to come up with these riddles and he has a glass eye they have to steal his glass eye so that they can escape from him stuff like that and then also there's these kind of mad hatters tea party type fairies who are having a big tea party in the woods and they have to sing a song with them and basically they get sort of captured by them as well and then there's um what else is there there's like a fairy who's like a little sort of hedgehog guy and then there's a crow fairy so there's all these different fairies yeah was there one particular scene in the book that you were writing where, because I've spoken to some authors and they're like, we have no idea what's going to happen sometimes. We just write and see where the characters take us. Was there a scene like that for you where you wrote it and just you didn't know where it was going to go? Or do you plan it really, really to the point? Yeah, there, was a, there were some scenes like that. There's a scene where Acton, as I said, has to go to the Deadlands to steal the crown from the Dead King and that he was going to play a game with the Dead King and that they were going to set riddles for each other. And so I didn't know what the riddle was going to be until quite a long way into the book. And then I had this really good idea for a riddle that would have two different answers so that he could sort of think that he's going to get it right but actually get it wrong and yeah that was quite cool when I came up with that idea 
That's quite exciting. I love the idea yeah. that as you're going, you kind of like find new avenues and new, new stories within the story almost. Yeah, I think that always happens. Like you get so far into the story and you s- sort of start to learn what the themes are and what's going to work really well in the story. Things that you wrote at the beginning, you can bring them back in and put a little twist on them. And that's always good when you come up with stuff like that. That must be so satisfying to yeah. be like, yeah. I've brought it all back together. And do you have, I mean, I know you probably won't say you do, but do you have a favourite character of the four of the of the kids in the, the book? Is there one in particular that you prefer? I shouldn't say, but probably Acton is the youngest brother and he and Cora are the narrators of the story. Mm-hmm. But I think he's my favourite character because he probably has the scariest journey to go on, you know, Yeah. and the most fear to overcome in the story. And do we think we'll see them again? Will they be back? We've had the prequel. We've got this one. Will we have another? Uh, maybe. I'm actually writing a standalone book at the moment, but maybe I'll come back to them after that and see what happens to them. Oh, well, thank you so much for telling us thank all about you. it. Hopefully we'll get them back in our lives. Uh, Glassborn is out today, right now. Yes, right now. So congratulations. And uh, thank you for coming to tell us thank all about you. it. Thanks, Pegs. There we go. That was Peter Bunzel. Uh, Glassborn is the perfect book for you if you love fantasy, if you're looking for a brand new world to get stuck into, and if you just want a great read. Now remember, if you like this podcast, you'll love Bookworms. That's where I chat to amazing authors and illustrators all about the newest and bestest books you've got to check out. I'm James Stewart, and in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts.